morning. Good morning, everyone. So glad you're here. Did you start with coffee today? Awesome. Well, it looks like some people will be trickling in along, but you're the early birds. We're going to honor you and get started. So today we're going to be discussing the transformation process. So here's where we've been, and it'll give you a little bit of a, a viewpoint as to where, where we are in our study. So we started with vision the first Sunday in January, and we talked about how we are created to be as masterpieces, and we have to see ourselves from that viewpoint. And then we went on in and we, we began to talk about, uh, we talked about the Beatitudes and about how our lives lived on purpose in order to produce the blessing. Blessed are those, fruitful are those who, and we broke down the Beatitudes, so that was, that was fun. And then we talked about giving and generosity and how our lives are supposed to reflect God and that we're givers. Um, we talked about that last week, not just it was mainly money, but we talked about other things as well in giving and sowing being a huge part of our fulfillment and our happiness. And that's just going to lead us right into where we're going today as we talk about the transformation process and how God designed us to work within his kingdom and the secrets that Jesus gave where all of that is concerned, how God really laid it out. Um, Jesus taught in the New Testament, we're going to look to today at his words and see what the master himself said about the whole process. So thank you for being early today. Let's start in prayer, shall we? Father, thank you for the opportunity to dive into your word and um, just to let it change our thinking and, and bring great direction. Um, Lord, we just receive it um, and thank you for it. We love your word. Um, we're glad that we have the opportunity to join with church family and um and study your word, and also just hear others' perspective as well. So we're grateful for that. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so we want to begin today. We're going to look at Mark 4. So if you want to go there in your in your Bible, also grab some notes in, in front of you, and you'll be doing some discussion in a minute. But you could flip that, that set of notes over on the back and look at the back side, or jot down notes on the back side of that if you want to as we go through this. So Jesus... Um, we're going to talk about the transformation process, and I want to go through this right quick. Hopefully today, even if you've been at our church for a while and you've heard about the transformation process, you're going, you're going to hear some things that are completely new. And then God's going to jog your memory maybe about some things that you've known in the past about the transformation process, and, and maybe you've let some of those things slip. So let's look at the, the uh, process itself. First of all, words are the beginning of a transformation process. This works, um, this, not, this is, process right here is not in scripture that you can find, chapter and verse, but it is biblical, you'll see, as we add, add our scripture to it. Um, but words are the beginning of a thought process. So words, this works with the word of God, or it works with words that you're hearing out in the community, words that you're hearing at work. So words affect your thinking. They create your thoughts. Words create your thoughts. This is the way God created us. It's just that way. When we're talking about the, the process today that Jesus lines out, remember, we can look at the process. We might not like the process. We might think, well, I, I don't know if that always works, whatever. But when we find something founded on God's word, the, the process is the process. We might not like it. We might wish we could change it. The process is the process. The way God designed things, it's just the way it works. It's, it's, um, it's law, right? 
So that's what this is reflective of. Words affect your thinking. Your thinking affects your emotions. So if you've ever dealt with depression, right? You've ever dealt with depression or any of, any of those emotional imbalances, we need to know what to do here. Emotions then affect your habits. Your habits affect your character, who you are, who you become. Um, John's going to be talking about that a lot in, in our, our future series. But who you become, your character, then affects your destiny. And so oftentimes in the world around us, today as you talk about the transformation process in your groups, oftentimes the world focuses on circumstances, destiny. All about the circumstances. And then it's all exterior. Well, this didn't happen or that didn't happen for me or I, this didn't happen in my favor. And what we're going to see in God's word is this process is affirmed in Mark 4 and it may, it's empowering. Here, here's what the goal is today. We leave empowered to think differently about our lives and realize it's up to us. Really, you know, a lot of times Christians default in this, this, uh, uh, maybe it's a religious thinking. It's all up to God. Well, if it's all up to God, then our it just it blanket statement. Well, if God wants it to happen, it'll happen. That really does not coincide with what Jesus taught in Mark four, and it can be a, a, a maybe a, a default, a lazy, uh, irresponsible way to live as Christians. So let's look at Mark four um, verse. Is it sixteen? that I want to start at. So in verse 26, if you were to fast forward to verse 26, Jesus talks about, he sums up what we're about to read, and he says this. He says, um, the kingdom of God is like a man who scatters seed on the ground. So what's he saying? This is the way the kingdom of God works. This is the process. This is how his kingdom, his, his ways, this is how he functions. So then we want to take close... Pay close attention here and as we begin reading. It says the sower or the farmer, I wanted the amplified version on that, so I don't know if you guys can fix that in the back, but it, it gives more explanation. Let me just say this. In your Bible study, if you ever, you're hearing John preach about something on Sunday morning, you think, huh, that doesn't matter. I don't really think I got everything I wanted to out of that verse. I'm not sure I understand that verse. Don't stop there. Go to the amplified Bible. And it'll break down the language, it'll break down words, um, and, go, and trace it back to the Greek in the New Testament. That's what we'll see here, the original words being traced back to the Greek. So, it says the sower, or the farmer in that version, the sower sows the word. The ones along the path that are those who have the word sown in their hearts, but when they hear, Satan comes at once and by force takes away the message which is sown in them. Let me just give you a quick little background. Jesus has already talked about the four types of soil. This passage is about God's word and how it works in the soil. And he tells us that the soil is the heart of man. And there's four types. Only one of them really produces. This is the way it works. That's just the way it works. In the world around us, we would have to even say in this room, this could happen. Hopefully not. Hopefully all of us are that, you know, we're in that that one out of four, but only one out of four hearts produces and becomes fruitful. And so Jesus is giving light, sh shining light on this. Do we have the Amplified? Are we able to get that? Amplified classic. So then let's go on to verse um, 16. Oh, wait, I read 16. Sorry about that. Let me change my sh sheet here. And it goes on to say, 
In the same way, the ones sown upon the stony ground are those who, when they hear the word, at once receive and accept it and welcome it with joy. So here's the first type. All right, so they do receive. Jesus has already talked about how the sower, he sows the word, and there's four types of soil. There's a path, there's the thorny uh, ground, there's the rocky soil, and only one of them actually produces fruit and is good soil. All right? So it says here in verse 17, and they have no real root in themselves, and so they endure for a little while, and when trouble and persecution arises on account of the word, they immediately are offended. They become displeased, indignant, resentful, and they stumble and fall away. So I want you to look at that right there in Scripture. And I want you to notice that they become offended. Why? They become offended because they heard the word and it didn't work in their lives. So they become offended um, and, and then the word is stolen. So those are some things that we want to guard against. And it says, and the ones sown among the thorns are others who hear the word. So everybody heard the word. Everybody has the seed and the four types of soil. The word comes to them. It comes to their hearts. And then um, they determine what happens from there. Then the cares and the anxieties of the world and the distractions of the age, pleasure and delight, false glamour, deceitfulness of riches, craving and passionate desire for other things creep in, choke and suffocate the word, and it becomes fruitless. I want you to look there right quick at that. You know, I think this is the one that is the most, um, maybe the most common in the American the American society that we live in. Look at that. The cares. You know, when you're adulting, there's a lot of stuff. There's a, there's a lot of stuff. So we have to be careful that the cares of the world don't choke the word out. So cares. What's the next thing it says there? Anxieties and fear. Uh, it says anxieties. I wrote fear. <laughs> I added that in there. But anxiety and fear can cause the word not to work in our lives. Again, we're talking about the transformation process and how God's word works to bring huge change if we allow it and if we uh, work with it. Um, so then what about the distractions of the age? What are distractions in, in our own society? Media. Is that crazy, right? Your phone. Um, there's just so much coming at us. For any of you that are here and maybe you're over the age of uh, 35, you've seen great change in your lifetime where this is concerned, where, you know, we didn't really have all the distractions um, of the age, maybe when some of us were growing up, and that, that's changed. So distractions, busyness, pleasure and delight, false glamour, those things. What about the desire for other things? See, the word comes forth into our life, but oftentimes it can be the desire for other things, and here's why I think that is. Oftentimes Christians if we're not careful, we we sit under a setting. We sit under God's word regularly, hopefully not just on Sunday. But we, we listen to God's word. We hear his word preached and podcast and different things. And it can become old hat to us. So we have to be careful if it just becomes, oh, yeah, I've heard that. I've heard that. Then the desire for other things. There can be distractions. And we're susceptible to the things in this age when we downplay the value of God's word. Okay, so let's look at the last type of person that Jesus mentions. Talking about the heart. And those sown on good, well-adapted soil are the ones who hear the word, receive it, accept it. 
Okay, and we might even stop and say, don't argue with it. Has that ever happened in your life where a scripture, generally, when the word of God comes to our life and comes and there is an answer presented, here's what we'll have to battle. That's too good to be true. That's too good to be true. So we don't accept it oftentimes or we'll think, that you know what, that hasn't really worked for me. What we want to do as ha- in order to be fertile soil is to re- accept the word receive it into our hearts and not argue with it and say, well, just because that hasn't happened in my life makes this no less true. His word, his incorruptible word seed always bears fruit if my heart is is right. So Jesus goes on with, he, he gives this parallel and he says, this is the way the transformation takes place in your life. The word will come. And it will change your life. It will always be fruitful. Notice the problem here was never the word. The, the problem's never the word. First Peter, when, somewhere in First Peter, I think it's 3.16, says, refers to the word of God as the incorruptible seed. So did you know there was um, an excavation done somewhere? I want to say it was in Egypt. And so they excavated and found these seeds. And they found it in a, in a tomb you know, a closed tomb, and so they, they found this seed, and they thought, well, let's just, I wonder if this, this what this is, and is it still, even thousands of years later, would it still produce? They planted the seed, and it was some type of wheat. It did, actually, ages and ages had passed, and centuries old, that seed still was fertile. You see, we can compare the seed, Jesus uses the seed on purpose, because the word of God is like a seed. It's incorruptible. It's always going to work in our lives. So he's talking about the potential of the seed, the potential uh, and the power of the seed. Now, I want to talk to you now in the next few minutes about making this applicable for your life and mine in the transformation process. Can we go back to the transformation process? I just want to look there one more time and have that before us as a backdrop before you go to your groups and begin to discuss. What you're going to do in your groups is you're going to discuss What's the world say about finances generally? What are they thinking? They certainly don't think that giving produces more. That's, that's, people, that's ludicrous in the world that we live in. They don't think that giving actually produces. What do, what do they think about in regards to uh, relationships? Pursue your own happiness. Other people, they're there, you know, they, they're there to make you happy. If you're not happy, hey, you better figure something out because your happiness is, is the, the number one thing. So we're, you're going to be talking in your groups about what does the world say in regard to these things? What words are coming our way that are actually an uh, opposition to what we see Jesus teaching here in the God? So the, the word seed in our lives, how do we make this practical? How does it work in your life and my life tomorrow? When we go to work on Monday, when we're in class on Monday, and we, we're living our lives out there. What, what does it look like? Jesus is telling us the sower sows the word, so there's a potential in the seed. Let me ask you today, what are the desires of your heart? What do you want in your life? What do you need in the area of finances? What do you need in the area of relationships? What are, you, what are the desires in your heart? Where are you in your health? All right, so practically, asking yourself, what do I want? What do I need in my life? That's okay to start there. And here's 
the process of sowing the word into your life. Here we go. Find a scripture. Find a scripture that promises what you need. Now, some would sit here and say, isn't that manipulating God's word? Listen, his word was here long before I got here. It's up to me to look in there and line my life up with his promises. So sometimes people say, aren't you manipulating God? No, no, no. He's the great initiator. He initiated all this in the beginning, and now you and I are getting in line and saying, Lord, what do you say about money? Then I'm going to renew my mind to what you say about money and prosperity, to what you say about health and healing and those things. So what, what, what's your desire? You might choose, you know, early in, the, in January, we talked about vision and where to, to begin to spend some time with the Lord. We're having 21 days of fasting and prayer focus that ends next Saturday. And so with those things, we're, we're focusing, Lord, what do you want for me, not only in 2020, but in my life in general? What do you want in the area of, of my career, those various areas? So maybe you have a few things that you've already thought through those. Do you have scripture to go with it? I like to do this when John and I are ever making any type of decision. I want to go to God's word and see exactly what it says about that in regard to money, in regard to decision. I want to get what his word says on that. Guys, nowadays, there's just no excuse. We can Google it. We can Google scriptures on money. We can find out. You might have a concordance in the back of your Bible where you can do a word study and find out. Relationships. What does God's word say about um you know, maybe you're thinking, should I tell that person off? Well, do a little bit of study and find out what God's word says about conversation. What it says about speaking to those in authority over you. How to address them, those kinds of things. It's a great, great, powerful way to live. Jesus taught. You sow the word into your life, into your heart, and it will always produce. So, find a scripture passage um, he's already given the answer in his word, and so we want to look at that. I like to do. I like to find two or three passages. You know, when I'm starting on something, um, and I'm what's the, what's the goal? What am I talking to you about? Breakthrough. His word is supposed to be working in our lives. You're supposed to be well. You're supposed to have money to pay your bills and have leftover to give to others. You're supposed to, your family is supposed to be intact. You're supposed to have satisfying relationships. But see, what does the world teach? Oh, well, you just never know. You know, that's not a scripture. But people say things like that, right? We've got to know where where are these ideas coming from, right? What does the word say? Because it'll affect your thinking. If your thinking is in opposition to, to what God says, then we want to know it, especially as Christians. We want to know, is my thinking off? Well, then I've been listening to the wrong stuff, and I need to get more of his word seed into my life. So once you say, what do I need in the area of my money? What do I need in the area of my, my schooling? Or maybe um, maybe you need direction. There are so many great passages on lead, with the word lead, how to, how to be led by God. Maybe you're just... You're, you're just dealing with an anger issue. Anybody ever dealt with bad attitudes? If you've ever dealt with anger or you're dealing with um, depression, you know, you find the answer. You find passages on joy. And here's what will happen in God's word. Oftentimes when there's a promise, where there's a promise concerned, right before it will be the condition. If you do this, then you get that. 
So what does that do? It shows us and brings correction in our lives. And where God is concerned, we always want his correction. Maybe you've had other people in your life and they give correction and you're like, that didn't feel good and you're mean. And I know you didn't mean that for the right purposes or, or whatever. You didn't say that with my, my good at heart. That's not the way it is where God's concerned. Anything that he says in his word for us to do, there's a great result coming. And that's where the promises, it'll, it'll say, God promises this as we walk in that, as we do this, we get his results. And so begin, once you find that process, here's the next thing. Or once you find that promise, once you find a word seed, then you begin the process to meditate put it in your heart, go back to that scripture, post it where you can see it really often, make it a part of your life um, for the next few weeks. What's the goal? To receive what you desired in the first place. God's word is chock full of answers and it will work practically in your life. And then here's another great result. You look better. You look better to the world around you. You're happier. There's a great result that comes from planting his word in our heart. What does it mean to meditate? To look at it over and over. You could position. Um, I used to do quite a bit of a travel. I, I do now, too, but with my job. But when I traveled um, previously, I would put index cards right at the front, you know, not to cover the speedometer or anything. But I would, I would put an index card there and just look at, at, at a scripture as I was going down the road and just something that I was working on. You're working on something. The sower sows the word. Why? He wants a crop. And he sows if he wants tomatoes. If you want money, if you need increase in your life, you sow word seeds about money. If you want healing in your life, then you look up healing scriptures and begin to renew your mind to that. You meditate, which means to murmur, mutter, Speak or whisper. And we could add in there pray. Because, you know, you, you often pray verbally or, or you're thinking and you're praying on the inside. When you pray God's word, you have an incorruptible seed. When you speak his word over your life, and Jesus gave us the freedom to do this. The sower, not God sows the word. No, the sower, you and I take action. The sower sows the word, and we in turn can expect to receive a crop, a harvest. Here's what this is. What we're talking about today is spiritual law, and it's also natural law. You plant a seed, and you get the results. It works in the natural world, so Jesus used a parallel, but it works spiritually, it's spiritual law. Jesus is giving us something that will always, always, always work. Maybe you've had some failure in the past in certain areas. I encourage you, let 2020 be a time of sowing God's word into your life in a way that you've never done before. What do you need? Find a scripture that backs that up. Find two or three. Why? So your own confidence level and what God says grows. Find a scripture Write it down, review it, meditate it until it becomes, you're not even trying to memorize, but a lot of times that what ha that's what happens. Begin to speak that over your life when negative thoughts come your way that that's never going to happen for you. Your mama was poor, your daddy was poor, your grandma was poor, you'll always be poor. Then you speak the word. You speak what God says over your life and you say, it is his desire that I prosper and that I'm in health 
in all things. So you, you go back to what he says and speak that over your life. Our part, what's our part? The sower sows the word. Our part is to actually take his word and plant it into our lives and for us to be fertile soil. Remember, Jesus told us in Mark 4, the things that uproot that, that seed or keep it from bearing fruit, cares, struck, uh, getting distracted, all of those things that we saw. Those are the things that can keep the word. Maybe you're looking and you're thinking, you know, I'm not sure this has always worked in my life. There may have been some of those things in Mark 4 that have been a blockade to the fruitfulness of his word, but we won't argue with the fact that Jesus says this process works. It's how the kingdom of God operates, and that if we will work the system, we'll see fruitfulness in our lives like we never have before. Well, in the next few minutes, I want you just to dive in with your groups there um, and discuss some, some things that you see in the world around you. You can discuss the transformation process here and some some of the points that stood out to you most clearly. Um, those of you that um, are group leaders, you may have some of your own personal stories that you want to share that have made a, a huge difference in your own life where you've seen God's word work. So dive into your small groups. Thank you, by the way, so much for your attention. It changes your emotions. It changes your choices. It changes your character and your destiny. What did I leave out? habits. So the next step in our uh, Christian education in impact groups is going to be habits. Here's what I want you to know, just some simple things to get you prepared so that you will not come in to the next season cold. As we're in the year of 2020, we are trying to give you an opportunity to grow in a different way. Everybody say grow. Let me see your hand if you'd like to grow into something better than who you are right now. Here it is. Listen to this. <clears throat> when you think about habits, I want you to say this out of your mouth in about 10 seconds. When you think of habits, now the question is going to be, do you think of good things or bad things? Say it, whatever you're thinking first right now. Most of you will uh, gravitate to negative things. We'll talk about how to break bad habits, but the majority of this is going to be setting good habits. Now, a lot of us think of habits as changing our outcomes. Everybody with me on that? Outcomes. We're not going to change. We're not going to start with changing outcomes. We're not going to change the process. Those are okay, but we're going to try to start with changing our identity. This is something that excites me because in all my uh, time as a, as a Christian, a lot of times we use the Bible, which is our key, our instruction manual and everything, but when we understand that all truth comes from God and to equip us with practical things, how to live out a godly life, sometimes that's been missing, or that you understand those things through the process of coming to church. You hear things in the way, but that's how sometimes you can get off track. We're going to be talking about setting good habits in a way that maybe you never have understood before. I know that it is helping me as I establish this right now in my life. Again, there's things that I've gone through in my life during this time that I've been at the church over <laughs> years, and it's been a process of learning those things. I wish I would have learned them all when I was younger. So I want to encourage you. This is like equipping you with an instruction manual of how to do things 
to see things clearer in your life and why you're acting a certain way or you're uh, doing something that you go, why am I doing that? Maybe it's unconscious or subconsciously you're doing it. The most effective way to change your habits is to focus not on what you want to achieve, listen, but on who you wish to become. Watch this. Two-step process. Decide the type of person you want to be and prove it to yourself with small wins. In other words, if let's take something that will be less offensive just in a few seconds here that everybody hopefully wants to be is they want to be, feel healthy. They want to be healthy. They want to feel better. Maybe they even want to look good. Everybody with me on that? I appreciate you wanting to do that for me. Anyway, you know you're not doing it for me. You're doing it for yourself. So here's what I'm saying. Everybody be with me. We're almost done. When you think about... This is the first little bitty baby step. When you think about who you want to become, I want to be a healthy person, and you look at that jelly donut, would a healthy person eat that jelly donut? No. So what you're saying is, who is it that you want to be? We're going to broaden it into something more serious than jelly donuts, but what I'm saying is a habit is created. Listen, a habit is created, first of all, when you say this, I'm a healthy person. Now watch this. Everybody with me? This is going to set us up. You'll hear it again, but it'll set you up to be ready for next week. Every time that you say, I don't eat jelly donuts, I eat healthy food, it's a vote in the favor of you're a healthy person. You're proving it to yourself. That's why those habits, as they're compiling, will change a lot of times, the outcome of who you are. We'll get into that, talking about the child of God that you are and child of a king and all the good things that comes out of that. Becoming, though, the best person that you can become is going to be a continuously editing of your beliefs because we all know that it's easier to learn something new than to unlearn something that was wrong. So maybe somebody has spoken over your life and created the habit in your life that when you get into a group of people in a social group and somebody says, what do you think? Oh, I don't know. Because somebody has said, you don't know, you're clueless, you're stupid. Do you see what I mean? We're changing those habits of who we are. I'm going to tell you real quick. I was going to wait. Next week we're going to sit in different settings. So come with a smile on your face. Well, we've never set that way before, Pastor. Well, we're going to start. It's going to start a habit. We're going to do something different. We're going to keep moving. We're going to keep action. But here's what I know. In habits, and we'll talk about this in weeks to come, there's a cue that will cause you to do a loop, habit loop. And it'll be a cue. And on when that cue happens or that trigger, it will cause you to have a the craving and then the response, and then the reward. As I said a couple weeks ago, when you come into a room and it's dark, you have a craving to see. So you have a craving for light. So what do you do? You come into a dark room, the cue is it's dark, you turn on the light switch, you have light, and the reward is you can see what you came into the room for. That's how habits happen. And so what you do is even in talking to your spouse a certain way, They can cue you or trigger an emotion in you that causes you to react a certain way. 
all of us know it's common sense. You don't have to have a, a degree from Harvard to know that if somebody in your family says, you look fat today, that's not going to create a good habit of going, oh, I love you so much. <clears throat> Thank you for your honesty in my life at this moment. That's an extreme, but there's also other cues that are causing a response that you're not wanting. Anyway, we'll, we'll tie it up, but as Gwen talked today about the transformation that's who we believe the Word of God, who the uh, God is, and the Word spoken over us changes changes our destiny. Sometimes we get into a pattern of transformation and we go back. And watch this. When you first heard transformation and how the Word of God can change your life, you, you get into that stage where you're going, that is amazing. I love it. I love it. I love it. I'm seeing things happen in my life. And all of a sudden there's a stop. And I'll just say this. Sometimes we get into spiritually adolescence, and it's just like physical adolescence, and it's called the stupid stage. It's not that every, or not that you're stupid, but you begin to see people as, well, I'm not sure they're so smart after all. It didn't work in my life. So this is equipping us as believers to do godly habits and just see even practical habits in our life that'll change the outcome and change our identity. Let's pray. Father, thank you for today and all that you've spoken over our life. During this series, what makes you happy? God gives us a, a mindset to be aware that we don't just walk around nothing. Nothing makes me happy. But God, when we hear your word, we see, God, we see ahead. And we ask ourselves, what does God's word says? Because that's what I want in my life. We thank you for your direction. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. If you would help us set back up the sanctuary, we're going to start in about eight minutes. All right.